We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by, of course, Rotoviz and our friends at Blue Wire. My name is Dan Sanio, and tonight I am taking the reins of said podcast. All Nathan does is lead this show. He does a very good job of it. He did a solo performance this last week, and he said, You know what? I'm fatigued. We're going to the bullpen. He went for the righty instead of the lefty. We all know that's a mistake, but instead it's me tonight. But I do have my friend Nathan Powell here with us tonight as well. Nathan, how does it feel to, to be able to just kind of sit back, enjoy some champagne, and just be along for the ride? You know, uh, you know, I had, I had to get a lozenge after after uh, my performance past, uh, last week, um, but I am ready to do a show. We're recording a little bit earlier, so if somebody gets traded over the weekend, um, it's Dan's fault. I will take all of the blame. Everyone hates me anyways, so I am okay <laughs> with that. So for tonight, we are going to get caught up on our rounds five through eight in overvalued and undervalued. You got to hear Nathan's takes uh, on his side of that in his solo performance. And then we are going to hit some keep trade drop because, I mean, it wouldn't be the offseason without a game or two. But before that, because of this Cole Beasley stuff, we're going to have a, just a quick conversation and it might turn into a, a rant or a rambling about players and whether they are vaccinated or unvaccinated, how that's going to affect us as dynasty players, setting lineups, uh, what their long-term value may look like. So Nathan, what are we going to be doing with these guys? Are, are we just kind of pulling the full avoid on, on, on these guys? Or are we hoping, I guess maybe not hoping, but maybe thinking that the league may kind of, loosen up a little bit and and not push everybody into it obviously getting the vaccine is the right thing to do it in most if, if not all situations so it, it's kind of a, a weird line to to tiptoe on but where what are we doing with these guys 
My first reaction was when they came out with their like vaccinated versus non-vaccinated protocols, they are doing everything they can to force players to get vaccinated without actually doing it. Like they can't eat lunch at the facility. They can't go to meetings. Like if you're not vaccinated, you can't do half of the jobs as a football player, at least in relation to players that are vaccinated. Um, And I think that's partially a concern, but you know, the overall general concern with unvaccinated players is the fact that they could, they're more likely to get COVID than the vaccinated players. And that might, you know, make them out for a couple of weeks. I, I think that the biggest problem and may, maybe there's going to be a way to like sort this out, obviously HIPAA and whatnot. There's not a clear way of like, no one's going to have like a list like, okay, this player is clearly vaccinated. This player is not. But like, I think that for the most part, every player that's saying uh, I'm keeping my decision, whether or not to vaccinate a private decision, everyone is pretty much assuming that means that player is not vaccinated. And so, but my general thoughts are, so even if we're going to go under that assumption, I just think it's so difficult to even, you know, collect all that data of who is and who isn't. Um, So I think that's the primary, that's the primary thing from stopping me from saying, oh, this player is in a void because they aren't vaccinated. This player is a, not necessarily a target, but this player is, I would prefer this, I would prefer player A over B because player A is vaccinated, player B is not. Um, So I I think that with the restrictions and the protocols the NFL has put in place, I think there's going to be, you know, even the most anti-vaxxer of player is going to likely end up getting vaccinated by the end of the season. But in the meantime, I I will say that, you know, if it's a coin flip, if it's between A and B, I'm going to take the guy that's publicly vaccinated. Right. And I mean, it's going to go one of two ways. Like you said, they're either going to go get it because they don't want to have to deal with all of the different things that the league is putting in place. And rightfully so. It's their league. You know, you have to work under those set of rules. It's either they either are or they aren't. So either they're they're getting vaccinated or they're pushing back. I mean, what that leads to is probably just them not playing, uh, which Cole Beasley attested to in his little note that he wrote he maybe he's forced into retirement i would doubt that's going to be the case for most of these players most of these players are still here for the paycheck it you know yes it is a game but they're still here for the paycheck if you're interfering with their money they're going to do what they have to do to get that money so that being said like you nathan i'm probably leaning towards just sticking with the player that we know is going to be on the field assuming that they're not injured because you also have to think about now that player isn't around the team as much as they probably should be. They're not in the facility and they're not in those meetings firsthand. Yes, they're probably on a Zoom call watching over. But it, I mean, that's that's like saying a, a player in, in practice with shorts and a T-shirt on is doing the exact same thing that a player in practice with pads and a helmet. You know, it, it's it's totally different uh, along those lines. And meetings are meetings. They are what they are. But it's important to be around your team. You know, the chemistry is huge with these guys and it's, it's a really, it's stupid that we even have to have the conversation about it, but it's going to be important. I think more than ever. And, and normally I'm not a headline chaser, but in order to keep wraps on who is what and where we, we probably have to, Oh, hi Frank. We, we probably have to keep tabs using headlines on who is and who isn't. And they're going to probably make it well known, obviously, the the guys that are choosing to keep their decisions private, whether they got it or didn't, that's up to them. And obviously, we, we can't go to the their doctors and be like, hey, did this guy get it? That's we can't do that. So it's a tough spot. 
I think we should probably just lean towards the guys that have it. In most cases, uh, I think you're going to have an overwhelming number of guys that are getting it, uh, unless the numbers are very misleading. Then, you know, I, I think there's less to worry about than than maybe some folks are leading on. But, you know, th- these guys just probably aren't going to be in those locker rooms. And I will say uh, the one part of my brain that's like, oh, how can we take advantage of the value here? (laughs) My brain is like, you could create a team of super spreaders of unvaccinated people because if like, let's say a guy who's a fourth round startup pick drops down to like the middle of the sixth. Like if it's that big of a, it's not going to be that big of a value uh, discrepancy, but if there ends up being like multiple rounds of difference based on value because of this decision, whether it's public or private, however it may be, like if you see a large drop, that's when I'm stepping like, okay, I'll take like the the risk of the two week break. I'll take the risk of, you know, obviously there's a lot more going on there. What I'm saying is that we don't anticipate the value drop to be that heavy, but if it is, then we might have a value opportunity. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to join a bunch of public leagues. I'm going to name my team herd immunity and just only draft unvaccinated players <laughs> in hopes that all of them are great value. And then they only gain value from where they are. I think that's a winning strategy. Oh, right. Oh, you're the host. Go ahead. <laughs> that's right. Don't you dare try to take that away from me. So now that all of the, the business is out of the way, we'll, we'll get into my set of overs and unders then nathan's going to accompany me along the way and and have these conversations with me um and we did get to hear nathan's last week or last show i should say uh so nathan if you want to just quick recap your overs and unders from rounds five through eight so the people just have a quick refresher so they know from my perspective where i'm leaning Yep. Yep. So i'll i'll list the player and you can go yay nay and maybe elaborate if it's something too crazy also, I learned last week that Javante Williams, who I had listed as my overvalued for round five, snuck into the fourth round to 412. Um, but I still listed him as my round five overvalued because he's even more overvalued by one pick more um, as, as we are one week later. So thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I, that's that's too much for me. I mean, I get it. There, there's a clean line to looks, but that offense with Drew Locke, you know, if they bring in Aaron Rodgers, I could see a fourth round maybe being palatable. I just have a hard time taking him over Josh Jacobs, uh, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler for sure. Uh, I don't get that. That's a that's not a good move for me. Yeah, I, I talked about last week that Javante Williams is priced like Aaron Rodgers already in Denver, and Jerry right. Judy and Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton aren't priced like Aaron Rodgers already in Denver. So the pass catchers are, are the where to go if you want to invest in that Denver offense before the Aaron Rodgers trade. Absolutely. So Nathan, in round five, you had Javante Williams as your overvalued. Let's go to round six for your undervalued. Round six undervalued was Baker Mayfield. Okay. Uh, and I'm on board with that. I think Baker can be uh, a nice secondary quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to be your top QB on the team. But if you can stack him with, you know, say an Aaron Rodgers or something, when you get into that territory, uh, if you are trying to wait a little bit on your quarterbacks and not just, you know, take Mahomes or Kyler Murray or Josh Allen right away and sink a ton of, of you know, high-end capital when you could be chasing some uh, position players, I'm on board with with bringing in Baker Mayfield. I do think that sixth round spot is it's a pretty nice value for him. I think I I have him right there with the Ryan Tannehills. I would definitely rather have him than Zach Wilson. 
So I, I think there, uh, towards the kind of mid-ish sixth, he's he's a good value for sure. Yeah, and I to reiterate, I, I do think out of all the guys that are going around him, he has by far the most long-term job security. All the other guys are probably in a, a one to two-year window max, and then you're possibly looking at being replaced or just not even be, being good good enough anymore. Let's go to round seven. I had a pair of overvalued players, and that was Thomas Brady and Deontay Johnson. Yeah, see, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think Deontay Johnson is super overvalued there. Maybe just a smidge. the The thing with me, with him, for me, is the the target share. I, I think it continues to be massive. You know, they'll they'll stop targeting him if if the drops become a real issue. But that offense just kind of decided to run through him. Uh, and all three of the guys that they have, whether it's Deontay, Chase Claypool, or Juju, I think they're pretty much all in a row. They, they should pretty much all be stacked on top of each other. Um, but I don't think I'm taking Deontay Johnson last out of that group. So I, I think he's, he's, cl- he's probably close for me in value. Now, Tom Brady, on the other hand, this is, I mean, it's a redraft placement. Right. It, guys, it, he's being drafted there because everyone's hoping to get one year of maybe low end QB one output. And that's not out of the realm of possibilities. We watched what he did last year. And after the years prior, everyone thought he was dead. I thought he was dead. I, I didn't think that arm had anything left in the in the can. And, and, and unfortunately, it was Drew Brees that ended up going out first. So I think Tom Brady is is a great one year pick but I don't think there's any chance I'm taking him in honestly, like the top 10 rounds just, just to get one year. And to wrap up the Steelers pass catching talk uh, for the undervalued, I had Juju Smith-Schuster in the eighth round. Right. Yep. And, and I'm on board uh, with that. I definitely am taking him over Deontay Johnson. Uh, I think he just, and, and I was always a Juju hater, but that was when he was in like the second round of startups. That's, that was ridiculous. He never should have been, where he was, but now we're talking eighth round. I mean, that's a huge, huge swing. So uh, I'm buying up as much juju as I can right now. I think he's, I I personally believe he's the most talented wide receiver in that offense. Uh, Obviously only has the, the one year left, but I think uh, it's hard not to see him producing no matter where he goes. I feel like he fits in pretty much wherever an offense needs him. If he can live in the slot, Awesome. He can play outside just fine, but having Claypool and Deontay Johnson to take defenders away. I mean, one of these guys is going to be open, if not two of them on every single play. Yep, for sure. I I think that with Juju, there is also the upside of him departing and going to a better offense in 2021, maybe a younger quarterback that isn't on the verge of retirement. Right. One more year with Ben. I I think that was the move. It's, It's a place he knows uh, and seems to it seems to enjoy. So uh, the one more year with Ben was probably the the intrigue there. Take a little bit less to stay home. So uh, on board with that. We'll go back to the top of, of the list here. Um, we're going to start with my undervalueds into that round five. Uh, you, you obviously just heard all of Nathan's picks. So now we're going to go back and essentially go opposite of everything Nathan did. So I had unders in round five and my undervalued in round five is actually going to be, I I struggled here because there's three wide receivers I I really like in this round, and I feel like they should all be probably around earlier, and they're not because everyone and their mother is drafting running backs, and there's even a few quarterbacks that are probably going a touch too high. So 
For me, my undervalued in five is going to be Brandon Ayuk. I think this offense is about to explode, whether it's Jimmy G for a few weeks or the surge of what probably will be Trey Lance becoming hopefully a, a really nice quarterback. And there's always that outside chance that Aaron Rodgers makes his presence known in San Francisco. I would say it's doubtful at this point, but never say never. Nathan, how do you feel about me saying Ayuk is undervalued in round five? Brandon Ayuk, I, the the one concern I have with Ayuk is Debo Samuel. Like I, I think they're both, you know, relatively, you know, similar in talent level, similar in ability. And, you know, when you look at a, uh, 1538, a 23 wide receiver deficit between the two. I, I just don't know how to make up that value when I, th- I think the players are so close. So I think the only concern with Ayuk is, is he a alpha? Is he going to be a number one wide receiver in San Francisco? Or is it a 1A, 1B with Samuel? And if it's a 1A, 1B, then I think that Ayuk is kind of a fade at this price. But I love young wide receivers, and I think Ayuk is going to be a guy who is, you know, in that like wide receiver ten to wide receiver fifteen range over the next several years. So he's an okay at this price. I just think there might be better arbitrage in the form of Debo Samuel. And you best believe that if Debo Samuel fell somewhere in between rounds five and eight, and I had the under in that <laughs> round, he would have been in it. <laughs> so, so I, I totally am on board with those points. I think I think Ayuk is probably close. Uh, within a few spots in the wide receiver rank in this ADP, I just feel like the guys that are immediately in front of him, I, I'm taking him ahead of. I'm taking him over Ryan Tannehill, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I've got him pretty much even with T. Higgins, definitely over Miles Sanders, definitely over Michael Thomas, definitely over Tua Tagovailoa, definitely over Austin Eckler, and definitely over Zach Wilson. So there's six to eight players there that uh, you know I'm. I'm taking Brandon Ayuk over. It's just this draft set that it felt like kind of a free, almost full round of value, uh, even though he is kind of in the right spot for the wide receiver ranks. Yeah, we, we did talk about this uh, when we talked about Jefferson, Tyreek. I mean, Jefferson, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Lamb. We talked about those guys that in probably like 2016, 2017, those guys aren't getting out of the top six, much less getting out of the first round. And uh, these guys, McLaurin, Higgins, and Ayuk, in years past, these guys would be like mid-third rounders at the latest, and now they're mid-fifth rounders. So I, I think there's solid values here. I, I would say McLaurin is the is the best value of this bunch. He, I think he has the highest floor. Maybe Higgins probably has the highest ceiling with that you know potent Cincinnati offense. But yeah, no, I think that McLaurin is a solid option. I mean, Ayuk is too. He, he's, he's good. I'm just not sure I see the same ceiling that I do with Higgins and, and McLaurin. For sure. And the only reason I went Ayuk out of the three, because all three of those were the people that I were, that those were the ones that I was, was going after. The only reason I took Ayuk is because he was going last and I would take all three of them before anyone in this round. So um, that one just to me felt like an okay move. So we'll slide into the sixth round. I have the overvalued players in the sixth and like Nathan, I went with a Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver and I'm going with Chase Claypool. Uh, Chase Claypool for me is is third of the Steelers wide receivers. I prefer I would say Juju is my top spot uh, in Pittsburgh. Then Deontay Johnson, simply based on volume, and Claypool to me feels more like if Mike Williams could stay on the field. He seems a little bit volatile. It, it's you know when he hits, it's unreal, but when he disappears with the Steelers offense that sometimes disappears, it's it's bad. Juju always kind of has that, that just low end floor. 
Um, but when when Ben's there, it's and he's on and the offense is clicking. I think all three of these guys have a real chance to perform. I just feel like Claypool is the most volatile of the bunch. And there's a smattering of wide receivers I would take over Claypool in the sixth. Yeah. And one important measure, especially, you know, you do have to play dynasty in a bit of a year to years perspective, because it's not like you're, when you make a dynasty pick, you're not saying this guy's on my roster forever. Yes, he could be on your roster forever, but there's going to be the opportunity to sell or buy in future years. And with Claypool, he is one of the largest TD regression candidates there is. He had 11 touchdowns, nine, nine receiving and two rushing as a, a, a rookie. He's not scoring double-digit touchdowns in year two with Juju Smith-Schuster healthy, with Deontay Johnson still getting a smattering of targets. And um, with, I don't know if you heard of him, Najee Harris is going to be getting all the, the goal line work for, for the Steelers. So with all those factors played in, like Claypool could have just as good of a year, 62 catches for 800 yards. But if he only has four touchdowns, that's like, you know, around like five to six wide receiver spots, you know, in value. Yeah, and like you, I don't see him getting getting close to that that double digit spot. Um, and like you mentioned, Najee Harris, he's going to dominate that red zone workload. Steelers have pretty much already come out and said we're going to we're going to ride this guy into the earth, kind of like they did with Le'Veon Bell, uh, James Conner, even to an extent. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I, I do I I you know Claypool is one of those guys I like in best ball formats, obviously because of his he is a little bit more volatile. Um, I would rather have him than a Mike Williams, even when Mike Williams was 22 or however old Claypool is. So I think he's got really good upside, but I do think he's a nice sell right now. If you can, in my opinion, upgrade at wide receiver while moving down, which isn't uh, super easy to do in most cases. So uh, we will slide to round seven now, and I have the undervalues in round seven. And this one was kind of a weird one because it, it's – kind of a hodgepodge round you know nathan has the overs here he went tom brady and deontay johnson and i kind of i kind of looked up and down this list and i part of me wanted to say kenny galladay only because of daniel jones and the the very odd mix of talent in new york and in the wide receiver core but i kept myself from doing that and decided to go with kirk cousins now i went with kirk cousins because he is notoriously undervalued and always hated for some reason he absolutely just demolished for fantasy owners last year really high touchdown numbers now we a lot of folks see regression coming there for kirk as well on the touchdown front i think this offense is getting better they upgrade from kyle rudolph getting all those snaps to irv smith which is a huge playmaker you have year two Justin Jefferson, who is just going to demolish the league. And you still have one of the best veteran receivers in the league in Adam Thielen. So, and there's that one guy, I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's Dalvin Cook. He's going to be okay as well, helping catch some passes out of the backfield. So I, I don't see real big time regression coming from Kirk Cousins. I think his numbers are pretty sustainable as this Viking offense really comes into form. The protection gets better. And we get to see them kind of continue to stretch the field and lean on Kirk a little bit more because they only have so much they can do with Delvin Cook. They probably are going to try to start, you know, put him on pitch counts and things like that because as much as, you know, they're paying him, they don't necessarily want to drive him into the ground and waste his ability. You'd rather have that for later on in the season when you really need to lean on your running backs. Now, you did just soliloquize. That's a word, soliloquize. 
um, some nice points about Kirk Cousins. I will circle back to our discussion at the beginning of the episode. Kirk Cousins is one of those that has said <laughs> that his vaccine is his personal private information. No, he will not be disclosing that information to the public. So he might have some difficulty bonding with his teammates. He might have some difficulty staying on the field. Um, that would be, you know, obviously there's some, you know, hyperbole here, but that would be a reason to be somewhat worried about Kirk Cousins and his dynasty value. But I agree in terms of like just general, that offense has always been underappreciated, whether it was with Stefan Diggs or with, whether it's now with Justin Jefferson, that offense was with Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins has always, always been a little bit uh, undervalued. And as, as time has gone on, I feel like they're, they're realizing they can't just do three downs of running with Dalvin Cook every drive. And that offense we saw kind of get moved out slowly over the last year and a half or so. Obviously, last year with the breakout of Justin Jefferson, that, that helps a little bit when you have the second coming of Randy Moss available to you at, uh, at a moment's notice. So, uh, yes, the, the whole uh, unvaccinated thing, which... I guess I'm I'm going back on that then, uh, but Kirk's a nice value there. He's there's probably four or so quarterbacks in front of him that that I would take after Kirk. So I just think he's really nice, cheap points, uh, and he's got plenty of plenty of career left in the tank. Uh, and hopefully they're in Minnesota with those with those nice weapons. So we will move into round eight, uh, final round of of this week's undervalued, overvalued. And I do have the overvalued in round eight. And we're going to go back to the quarterback well. And I, I kind of just did a coin flip and it landed on its edge. So I'm going to say Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones here. Uh, Darnold has, I mean, weapons galore, a really, really nice, you know, offense to be able to play in. The problem is, I don't know if you know this, Nathan, he's bad. And then you go to New York and I mentioned Kenny Galladay earlier, who should pretty much dominate targets. The problem is those targets are from Daniel Jones, who like Sam Darnold is bad. He doesn't really have anybody that can separate, which doesn't help. He's got a lot of players that kind of either play close to the line or catch 50, 50 balls. So a guy that notoriously has bad timing and can't throw receivers open. I, I, like uh, what are we doing? Why, why are we taking Daniel Jones ahead of, Derek Carr, for instance. Yeah, everyone hates Derek Carr, but Derek Carr is going to score 200 more fantasy points than Daniel Jones this season. Yeah, I, I think that the only pro argument for these two quarterbacks is their wide receivers. You have Kenny Galladay and you have Saquon Barkley. And then Carolina, you got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall. So there's like to, there's a lot to like with the weapons with these guys. I will point out I'm a Sam Darnold truther, so – I will say that Daniel Jones might actually have the higher floor here because of his rushing upside. Darnold has 0.0 rushing upside. Daniel Jones had 423 rushing yards as a sophomore, as well as 279 rushing yards as a rookie. So I I, I do think like the if I'm in round eight, I'm not picking a quarterback right now. Like I even me, I wouldn't take Sam Darnold in the eighth round. I'm not taking any quarterbacks here. Um, but even with that being the case, I, I think that they're overvalued at this price tag. Um, but they do have a wider variance due to their weapons. And they have a wider variance because of them. Uh, you know, Sam Darnold hopes to rebound. Uh, you know, obviously, there's, there's always possible. I just think what we saw in New York was, wasn't real positive. We saw 
remote flashes occasionally. We never really saw any consistency. Daniel Jones, you mentioned the athletic upside. He's he is a literal poor man's version of Josh Allen. He has all of that rushing upside and nothing to do with it. We we hope to see him be able to do it, but with Sa- Saquon Barkley back on the field, it'll probably limit it quite a bit. Now it could open it up for him as well. I just I don't think the clapper Jason Garrett is going to be calling a whole lot of real positive uh, quarterback draw plays or anything really innovative in that offense because his offenses are usually not good unless they have all pro players at each position. Sounds good. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate those fantasy leagues in 2021 we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Nathan, it's that time. It is that time. We are playing, my friend, Keep Trade Drop. Hit him with it. Keep Trade Drop, 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 drop. The worst drop in the game, but Nathan is all over it. We've got ourselves a little bit of ADP Keep Trade Drop. Nathan, via, what via, the- via who? Where are we going to speak ADP from? Oh, you know where we get it from, my friend. That is rotoviz.com. All of the tools your heart desires. Make sure you get in there, you know. Get in there, get your get your sub, and start grinding on these on these tools. We need them. You need them. I need them. ADP is important, and they've got everything you could possibly want. So, Nathan, what position do you want to start with in this lovely edition of Keep Trade Drop? With Rotoviz Triflex ADP via the FFPC, I want to start with Arby's because I like roast beef. Arby's for everybody. All right, so we're gonna go with Chris Carson, David Montgomery. And Kareem Hunt. Nathan, what's your choice? 
Keep trade drop Chris Carson, Kareem Hunt, and David Montgomery. I am going to keep David Montgomery here. Uh, he has a quarterback. His name is Justin Fields. Um, Justin Fields is going to be a top 10 NFL quarterback sooner than later. And David Montgomery is going to be the running back in the backfield for that team. I don't really see the Bears investing in the draft. I don't see them investing in agency. I think Montgomery is the clear-cut RB1 for the foreseeable future in uh, Chicago. I think that they'll end up re-signing him. And... So I love that situation for him. He has shown to be a capable running back over the last couple of years. And I'm, I'm just buying in on that Bears offense. I guess I should go talk about talk about some some Mooney and Allen Robinson, Robinson stock as well. Um, and then my drop here, my drop here is because I don't trust Pete Carroll in his old age. Pete Carroll <laughs> uh, has seemingly went from one of the best coaches in the NFL to one of the worst we keep on hearing rumblings of the, you know, feed Russ, let Russ cook, whatever it might be, whatever it's happening. I don't really see Chris Carson as a huge value at this price tag in the, you know, low end twenties. Uh, so I, he's my clear drop here. And then my trade is Kareem hunt um, solely because there's always going to be that glimmer of hope. He's been like a legitimately good NFL player with the Browns. But there's always going to be that glimmer of hope that like, oh, like we could see rookie Chiefs Kareem Hunt. And the only we said the only thing stopping it was, uh, you know, a Nick Chubb injury. Well, Nick Chubb got hurt and Kareem Hunt actually played worse when Nick Chubb was out. So I, I, I just legitimately think he is, you know, he's very talented, but he's kind of a cap ceiling of like a top 15 running back. I agree. Yeah, he's he's a nice RB, too. But. You, you start feeding him 25 to 30 looks a game and, and it goes downhill quickly. So uh, I, I'm i pretty much, unfortunately, we're not going to have any real hot takes here. I'm on board. I, I think David Montgomery, even though he's going first in ADP, I feel like he has the least amount of trade value out of these guys. And it, it the, only, the only conclusion I can come to is it's that one thing that they posted on ESPN that he had like the vision of <laughs> Superman the feet and speed and agility of Saquon Barkley the mind of Steve Jobs it, I, I don't I don't know what happened there but for the you know for the price it's it's a really nice way to get into uh, what potentially could be an RB1 now the return of Tariq Cohen is really the only issue I'm seeing here it's going to cap his upside as a pass catcher but there's really not a lot of weapons there. So we could still see a lot of two back sets or Montgomery out there more. And and maybe they split Cohen out into the slot get something like that going. Like they had been doing more of, of the Swiss army knife role rather than putting him in, uh, you know, it's just a you know single back. So I, I do like keeping David Montgomery here. Uh, I think Chris Carson's the obvious sell. Like you mentioned, the Seahawks have, have completely flipped the script on what they do. Uh, letting Russ, <laughs> letting Russ cook, letting Russ eat, whatever you want to say. Uh, when you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you have to let Russ cook. There's no reason not to. And the only thing that's going to go by the wayside is going to be Chris Carson and the whatever's left of Rashad Penny. And as as much as I want to be able to keep Kareem Hunt, because I do think he's an, a pretty nice value, even on like 10, 12, 15 touches a game, he, like you said, kind of has that, well, all we need is an injury. All we need is an injury. That's not something to lean on. You can't play value games on on hoping for injuries. That's that's like drafting an entire run, an entire backfield in hopes that one of them gets injured so you still have the backup. 
it, it's not not really a great way to play Dynasty. So with Nathan, I'm keeping David Montgomery, trading Chris Carson. Or I'm sorry, uh, trading I, Kareem Hunt and yeah. dropping Chris Carson. Uh, let's move into quarterbacks, Nathan. And not that it matters, but we can assume super flex here. We've got Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, and Trey Lance. So I think I kind of showed my cards early on here with the Montgomery take, but I think the easiest keep here is one Justin Fields. Uh, I think he's by far the most talented of this group, the highest floor, the highest ceiling, maybe not the best coaching staff around him, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so I'm, I'm keeping Justin Fields. I think, think he's, in, he's the best player. Then I'm going to drop Jalen Hurts because I think he's the obvious outlier in this group, the guy who might not have a job in 2022. Um, and the guy who is very much a high floor, I mean, high ceiling, low floor play. And I, I, it's just not palatable for me. And then with Lance, Kyle Shanahan offense, I will trade the upside that's going on there. Um, you know, trading Trey Lance might end up coming back to bite me in the butt, but I think that he is the trade of these three. Yeah. Again, I'm kind of in the same realm. I think anyone that's ever listened to the show knows that I would go Justin Fields here a hundred times out of a hundred as my keep. He is by far the best quarterback of the group. Um, I don't I, I don't think I can commit to saying he's got the most upside, but he most definitely has the highest floor, and it is not close. I think my trade is going to be Jalen Hurts. He is currently going just slightly ahead of Trey Lance in ADP. So if, if market proves correct, uh, I would hope to get the most in return from Jalen Hurts because I think he's the least likely to be to be shining on dynasty rosters uh, come the following season. So we're keeping fields, we're trading hurts. And just because of the name of the game, I have to drop somebody. And unfortunately that's going to be Trey Lance. I'm not able to capitalize on his value, nor am I able to keep him and watch him not score any points in 2021 while he waits. And, and that jo- that lovely jawline of Jimmy Garoppolo go- shows up, show- throws 18 touchdowns and 24 interceptions. And the Niners get a nice pick uh, next season. And I don't know what they do with it, but I am dropping Lance, unfortunately. Okay. We're, well, now here's the question. Hold on. Did you say the Niners get a nice pick? They don't have any picks. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe they get into one. I don't know. I don't know, Nathan. (laughs) They'll get a nice third round pick. How about that? Okay. (laughs) Because we love tight end so much, we'll save wide receivers for last. We'll go with tight end for keep trade drop. Nathan, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, and Mark Andrews. This one's tough because the Ravens offense is just so difficult to, you know, project so difficult to understand. And Mark Andrews was great, you know, in 2019 and in 2020, that Ravens offense just fell off so hard. So because of that, I think that we've seen the floor of the Ravens offense and the floor of the Ravens offense is not conducive to Mark Andrews. So, so, I don't anticipate the floor being hit by the Ravens, but if it does, I'm going to drop one Mark Andrews. I am going to keep TJ Hawkinson. He is perennially undervalued despite producing his first two seasons in the NFL. And I'll trade Noah Fant because one, I'll, I, I'm not going to trade Noah Fant today. I, I'm cheating in this game. I'm going to trade Noah Fant next month when Aaron Rodgers is wearing the orange and blue. You can trade him to me because I'll be buying him up, baby. My (laughs) very, very, very clear trade here is TJ Hawkinson. You say he's undervalued. I think he might be the most overvalued tight end there is. Yeah, he has really cool numbers and everything, but guess what? They just got Jared Goff, and he sucks. 
So <laughs> this offense is going to be horrendous. He probably will lead the, the league in tight end targets, but when you have them sailing over your head by a mile and hitting your feet, probably not going to be able to catch very many of them. So I'm going to capitalize on free value in TJ Hawkinson. I'm absolutely keeping Noah Fant because regardless of who's playing quarterback, he might be the most consistent pass catcher in Denver. He really looked the part of the elite move tight ends last year, and his his value didn't really rise all that much. He just kind of had held constant and he should be up higher. He should be up in that Darren Waller zone. Now he isn't getting the, the target volume that all of the big boys are getting, but he looks the part. And to me, that's almost as important. And I think once Aaron Rodgers is a Denver Bronco, let's all cross our fingers and hope for it. He can support three pass catchers. I think Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy and Noah Fant all most definitely outlive their ADP and, and prove to be free value. And like you, I, I think Mark Andrews, just because of, of how wildly inconsistent Baltimore is as an offense and as a whole, specifically the passing game, we know the running game is going to be elite, but it's just hard to lean on Andrews as much as I like him as a player. He was, you know, my number one tight end in that class. He, he kept rising up my boards more and more, but this, this is not the same Baltimore offense we saw him shine in. It's it's very different. Obviously, them adding another pass catcher just throws in another wrench. So for me, I, I think, unfortunately, I've got to drop Andrews in this situation. All right. The bread and butter of the show, Nathan. It's wide receiver time. Are you ready? Did, did you drop Hawkinson and Andrews? No, I traded Hawkinson. Okay. All right. Free, free money. Free money. Okay. All right, Nathan. The bread and butter of the show. Everyone knows we love our, our wide receivers. And these three are arguably three of the favorites considering where they land when you consider the value of them. Terry McLaurin, T. Higgins, Brandon Yuck. Nathan, keep, trade, drop. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, we like the value on all three of these guys. Um, I, I did you know, put some... Uh, objection to Brandon Ayuk, which makes him my drop here. I, I think that there's just a little bit more safety, a little bit more upside in McLaurin and Higgins, so I'm going to drop Brandon Ayuk. Now, this is where it gets difficult, McLaurin versus Higgins. And currently, via Rotovis Traffic's ADP, McLaurin's going 12 and Higgins is going 14. I'm not sure that reflects the trade market. I think that the trade market is still excited about the Bengals' offense, is still excited about Higgins. So... I am going to trade T Higgins because I just, you know, the, the, the upside of Higgins is lowered by the presence of chase. And so with McLaurin, he doesn't have a chase opposite of him. He could be getting a, a deluge of targets in the Washington offense. And who knows if they get a good quarterback, then Terry McLaurin could, you know, be in that DK Metcalf and AJ Brown conversation. I think, I think the plebs are starting to kind of catch up to the, the, all of the smart, the hashtag smart folks uh, that live on the Twitter sphere and starting to realize, I think more and more that Terry McLaurin might be that guy. And the fact that they have Ryan Fitzpatrick, he potentially is on for a monster season. So I, I think his value is starting to catch up to kind of where we think it should be. Uh, and I know I started the show off with, with Ayuk as my undervalued, Took him as my undervalued because he was the last person to go out of these three. So I, and we all know I love T. Higgins. I'm going to keep T. Higgins because I believe in that Cincinnati offense. I believe in Joe Burrow. And I believe that T. Higgins is going to be the wide receiver one in Cincinnati. 
All of my beans are in that basket, Nathan. And I just hope they don't turn into refried ones because no one likes refried beans. Okay. Terry McLaurin is probably going to get you more value at market. But these two between McLaurin and Ayuk is really owner to owner. There's a lot of owners like you, Nathan, that absolutely love Brandon Ayuk. There's a lot of owners that absolutely love Kyle Shanahan and that offense and that think Ayuk is a legit wide receiver one. I'm not saying he's not, but I think there's more owners that maybe see Ayuk as a wide receiver one. So situationally, I think I could get more for Ayuk than McLaurin because a lot of people see McLaurin as kind of more of a, a Swiss army knife weapon type when, even though they just added that in Curtis Samuel. And I don't think I, it's weird, but I feel like in the leagues I play in, and I know it's a smaller sample. I feel like in the leagues that I play in, I could get more for Brandon Ayuk than I could for Terry McLaurin. So I am going to trade Brandon Ayuk, even though I said he was undervalued, but that was based on ADP, not my personal experience. So it's a little bit backwards. I apologize. I'm thinking through it out loud with you right now. This is how it makes sense to me. I'm keeping T Higgins. I'm trading Brandon Ayuk. And I don't know how, Nathan, but now I have to drop Terry McLaurin, and I'm sad. <laughs> that, that is not the smart decision, but uh, I'll let you lay in your own bed. <laughs> it is, in fact, in bed with T Higgins, and I am very okay with that. Okay, folks. Well, you got our undervalueds, overvalueds. You got some keep trade drop. We talked a little bit about vaccination because that's the that's the new norm. But you got to do it with me and my best friend Nathan Powell. Nathan, what do you have for the folks? Nothing. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe. Um, I'm, one of these days, I'm going to check how many likes we have uh, or whatever it's called. I, I don't know what it's called, but let's get to 100. If we're past 100, then good for you. Um, but. Always appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Kadosh!